Do you agree that when respect and dignity is part of the foundation of a community and even larger, the society at whole, then of course there will be room and enjoyment for everyone to be a part of that foundation. Hi, I'm James Lynch and welcome to the Park Books Update Moment. For this Sunday Thought, I want to talk about briefly just the Constitution and the Declaration, you see, of our rights here. People have heard uh, said many times from famous people and maybe even yourself that the Declaration states all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. With that being said, the Constitution also works in conjunction with this, and when they were, you know, establishing the government to have something solid, and people may say, for the people, it references, again, even the subject matter of religion, how the government would not establish one, nor interfere in the rights of persons to worship. See, I'm paraphrasing this, but that still is what it was basically saying, that it is not going to promote a religion, but it's not going to interfere either. So, coming from the standpoint of elevated thoughts, persons often bring out how uh, they call the founding fathers of the United States in North America were very smart, intelligent men, enlightened men. Yes, uh, they were even known, um, many of them, to have what they would call esoteric knowledge. <laughs> That's just the reality of it. But with all that knowledge that they have, people still respected them all the same. And they say the Constitution is a marvelous feat, a marvelous accomplishment on a genius level that has not been created since for any other country. In fact, they would say other countries uh, learned from it and made sure they continued when they wanted to develop their rights for the people to enjoy a what? Quality of life and a government that would really keep the human heart in the way that they treat their people, you see. Now, with all that being said, let's focus in on elevated thoughts. Elevated thoughts. If persons respect the whole structure, the different branches of government and everything set up by these men, what about the references still towards our rights being given to us by God himself? What about their respect for, hey, we are not going to promote a religion and we're not going to interfere either. See, those elevated thoughts were in reference to who? The divine one, as they would call it. I would say the true God himself. And this is what it was in reference to, okay? How were they able to put some of these thoughts together? 
This is where I want to reference the good book, you see. In the good book, if you go to Exodus, many persons have read the, quote, Ten Commandments, unquote. But then if you turn over to the book of Leviticus, you will also see laid out the groundwork of what people had to do in a ritual or religion way of serving God. Now, the same way that the Constitution or really the Declaration of Our Rights really referencing God in that way, you see, this is what the book of Leviticus actually did, too. It referenced to God what God thought, how he felt, and how the people were to be treated and governed. Yes, it was called also like a tutor or someone leading, you know, the nation to Christ, helping them to understand that you see all of these things that we're doing, it shows us what the divine one, what the true God feels about matters, how he is even protecting us. And yes, when we make mistakes, you see, he even has a provision for that. Let's emphasize that a little bit more about the mistakes. Remember when I said in the uh, Declaration of Rights and the Constitution how you can tell the Founding Fathers were still referencing the Divine One? That helped to put something, you know, the King in the spirit realm still in its proper place. Do you agree? In its proper place to the point of even if we don't respect and dignify one another, before we go any further with, you know, mistreatment of one another, we have to remember where our rights come from and who we are accountable to. You see, going right back to the book of Leviticus, that does the same thing. How do we know that? Well, if you turn to Leviticus chapter 4, Notice this. I'll read the first couple of verses, but then I won't go into all the procedure of what was required when persons unintentionally sinned, because it's a lot to it. I encourage you to read the whole chapter, but I want you to see how God singled out everyone just to let them know, yes, you are still accountable to me. And notice what he referenced in this and how he started off. How did he start it off? He started off on a spiritual note. And notice this in um, Leviticus chapter four, and this from the New World Translation. In verse one, it says, Jehovah went on to say to Moses, tell the Israelites if someone sins unintentionally by doing any of the things that Jehovah commanded should not be done. Okay. Now, that's what Jehovah told Moses. In verse 3, he starts off with, if the anointed priest sins. Then it gives the reference of what he had to do for the guilt offering, the preparation and everything for God to accept, you see, the sin that he did to uh, cover over, make forgiveness for it. But this was the process. Now, it was a it was a lot to that process. However, let's move over to verse thirteen, 
where Jehovah then says, Now if the entire assembly of Israel has become guilty by committing a sin unintentionally, but the congregation was unaware that they had done something that Jehovah commanded them not to do. See, notice, there go that reference to commanded or doing something that they were not to do, okay? So they were saying the whole assembly, and they had a process they had to go through as well. <clears throat> now, in verse 14, okay, no, let's drop down to verse 22 of Leviticus chapter 4. It says, when a chieftain unintentionally sins by doing one all of all the things that Jehovah, his God commands, should not be done and has become guilty. Excuse me for the, uh, you know, miss, you know, the hiccup there. Here's the point in verse 22. It says, when a chieftain unintentionally sins, in some translations, it actually says leader. Okay. What is this showing you? God is actually pointing out everyone, even in their different roles and positions. Now, some will even say uh, the administrative and others may say the government structure, so to speak, to make them aware that, hey, you're still accountable to me. All right. And then in verse uh, 24 and no, let's drop down to verse 27. He says, if any one of the people of the land sins unintentionally and becomes guilty by doing one of the things that Jehovah commands should not be done. See, did you see it again? He was talking about unintentionally, but he also goes on to talk about. This is what I commanded not to be done. So. We talked about the Constitution and the, the Declaration of Rights, which references the, uh, you know, pursuit of life, liberty, you know, uh, and happiness, excuse me. And then that we have these rights given to us by God to even worship him, you see, uh, um, without interference. So what is this saying? Would you say? That if someone did try to make a law against the uh, worship, your worship, and to keep you from worshiping God uh, in the way that, uh, of course, you know, I say the good book outlines of, uh, you know, showing love, but also singing praises and preaching about his name. Is that a law that any man can make that God would accept? Let me ask it again. If someone interferes with your right by God to worship him, even in, yes, a religion, a ritual structure, is that, once again, a law that God would approve of? Would someone who makes a law like that then be accountable, even as a leader, to God for making such laws. You see, elevated thoughts, elevated thoughts. Now, in closing, 
I want to talk, since we are talking about forgiveness of sins, and you've heard me mention quite a bit uh, in Jesus' day, because remember, we don't go through all this process of sacrificing an animal and, you know, uh, cleaning it in, in such a way uh, to, um, you know, prepare it before God for a sacrifice. It talks about in the law, and Paul talked about it, even in the book of Hebrews and everything, where he said, you know, these uh, sacrifices of animals and everything is no longer needed because Christ fulfilled the law. On a side thought of this, I really want to emphasize there were other processes that went with atoning of sins once a year and things of that nature. And before I make this statement, I'm going to reference Romans chapter 10 one time where Paul was talking about the people and he was saying, you know, I bear them, I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but it is not according to accurate knowledge. And Paul often did run into people who were still actually, you know, whether it was sacrifices, whether it was the unknown gods or things of that nature, uh, they were actually still doing things and saying, you know, or feeling that they were pleasing uh, to God, even when it came to all the parts of the law that it said Jesus fulfilled that we would no longer have to do. And see, that is very important from the animal sacrifices to the goat for Azazel, if I'm saying it right to everything, because a lot of people uh, put lock, stock and barrel even in that. And I'm not going to even go deep into that. But this is one of the reasons why Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if someone tries to lock you in something that is part of of the Mosaic law or was done, uh, then that would be actually a sin. <laughs> you know, uh, it was even referenced one time, hey, if you're going to try and establish your righteousness through the law, then you better do every single one of all these commandments, which no imperfect man can do. You see, that's why we have Jesus' ransom sacrifice. So Jesus fulfilled that. That's the just a side thought I just want to share on that. If you want some type of uh, legal uh, references from the way things are set up in the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures and now to the New Testament where Jesus said, look, I fulfill all that. You don't you don't have to go get the animal and do this. You don't have to set your side yourself aside for that. You see. But again, that's for a deeper conversation later. But that's to give you hope. Because for some, that is used against them. And so, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And Jesus just gave you something to give you hope to know that for some who I feel they're locked in certain contracts, it just isn't the case. All right. Now, moving more onward, I'll say about the elevated thoughts and about the forgiveness of sins. 
If you read Leviticus chapter 4, which again, I very much encourage, it, it still does go and show the mind of God and the seriousness all the same. Here it is. We have a wonderful quality of life that God uh, has given us and, and prepares for us. And oftentimes, what it, it's the uh, people, you know, who may not, you know, appreciate it fully that sometimes causes uh, many areas of the world to get out of whack. That's why I referenced, uh, you know, in verse 22 of Leviticus chapter four about chieftains if they sin unintentionally about something God has commanded. Yes, you see, does it matter whether they're claiming to be Christian or not? Who is the creator of the universe? You see, um, who is the creator of the earth? And so God has really made it clear, even in other uh, uh, books that persons have read, that whether the person acknowledged them or not, he eventually will once again, you know, uh, set things straight, um, uh, put administrators in place the way that he wants to, that will actually be able to carry out his laws and commandments again with the empathy and the heart of flesh that he says, see? And of course, Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Now, with this again being emphasized, Persons learn the importance when they study uh, Leviticus and the seriousness of God that, you know, I want to do the best I can, do things just right, no matter how I may be feeling about this situation or even that person, this is a provision of something that God has even given to this person. And so uh, if someone comes to me, you see, uh, requesting help in this way or that way, God outlined how I'm, so, you know, I'm just using this as an example of you in one of those type of roles or whatever, and how I'm supposed to treat the person. I do not have the uh, a right or authority in some other way, you see, and you've heard me say that, to treat somebody else otherwise than what God is stating. I'm saying again, it doesn't mean people don't get in arguments. That's not what I'm talking about. But see, this is a protection from, as what the scriptures have been brought out, holding grudges against, you know, your brother or your sister or what have you. It's a protection because you realize God is serious about this. And he is serious about no matter who may have sinned, even, you know, against us or what have you. What does he say in Romans? Again, he states, you know, yield a place for the wrath. You see where well, he said again, vengeance is his. He will repay and see. And that's if it's necessary, especially if the person is not repentant, then you know what's <laughs> what's going to happen. God, God will take care of one way or the other. And something that can be a pretty, pretty sad situation, I got to tell you, is to, again, actually uh, not yield, you see, the wrath to God and, and let him once again 
deal with the situation the way that he's going to deal with it because we have went on maybe a vengeful, a spiteful, yes, uh, account of uh, plotting and revenge. So think about this. If someone ever offends you or, you know, vice versa or what have you, you know, recently, and I've heard this said before, it almost makes me want to go into a totally different area of the mind and the mental makeup of people and also the uh, uh, mistreatment, uh, even, yes, medications and stuff that are given uh, to people at times that shouldn't have it. That's just a fact. Now, when that actually happens, see, it causes a... a, a a, a totally different type of matrix setup that we're in today. Okay. Now, still, w- with that being said, the, the person, um, and keeping it in context, the person was still saying that no one has the right to say that, um, they didn't hurt them, you see. Uh, and, you know, of course, it goes for everybody. So I'm going to just still take it with the context that, yes, uh, two persons have had a disagreement, major disagreement or what have you. And so one or both could even be hurt. However, still in that situation, do either one of them have the right to go on a vengeful or or vendetta against another person. Imagine going against a vendetta on a person because someone called your name or like I said, it doesn't matter what it is or a robbery, whatever it is. But then they go on a vendetta for weeks and months and years on end. Is that yielding place for the wrath for God? This is very important to keep in mind. Let me ask you the question again. Is that yielding the Ralph or place of Ralph for God himself? You know, taking it off your responsibility to try to hurt that person or to try to get that person to acknowledge that they hurt you or what have you. Why am I saying this? Because if. And see, and I won't go into it on this one. Maybe I'll do it next Sunday. But if a person takes that wrath that God said, look, yield it to me. And takes it upon them to go on a vendetta. Then don't be surprised. You have now even lost your, uh, whether you want to call it, uh, right, uh, uh, your, your, expectation or what have you to even have such an apology. Why? Because now you have put yourself in a situation where quite possibly you owe that person now an apology for going on such a vendetta against them in order to try to get an acknowledgement or something. It is really something to think about. So thank you for being here. With these elevated thoughts on Sunday, you take care of yourself and have a wonderful, wonderful day. 
have just listened to the Perceptive Readers Podcast. Remember, until next time, if you read something that encourages you to improve or enhance your life for the better, it becomes your reality. <laughs>